Peace, peace, peace. Welcome Yo. to another special edition of Out the Box Talks. I'm your host, Krill. I got my brother A Level here. What's good? A Level the Wiz, you know what it is. For sure. And um, we are back for episode four. Yes, sir. Recording out of the Anchor Podcast Lab here in New York, New York City, Manhattan. So we got a special guest in the place to be. I'm really, really excited to have him with us, man. man. This is a veteran, you know what I'm saying? Um, just an overall representative Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Juice Crew rep- representative. Uh, man, I got to definitely welcome the brother, One man. One of the great I'm, kings of the golden era. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm humble that he's even here today, man. Thank you for coming out. Yes, sir. I want to introduce y'all. To none other than Master Ace. Thank you. Thanks for the intro, man. What's good, Ace? I appreciate it. Thanks for the intro. No doubt, right. man. How's it, how's it been, man? How's, how's things for you right now? I got no complaints. Life is great. Um, the business has been kind to me. You know, thank God for the continent of Europe. Um, mm-hmm. Because they, you know, Europe has single-handedly um, sustained my career for the last, really, 15 to, to 17 years. Mm-hmm. Like for real. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about your experience touring. But I do want to bring it back a little bit. Um okay. for the people that may not know, I'm thinking if you're a hip hop head, you gotta know who Bastard Ace is, right? Depends on your age though. Word, word, that yeah, is true. Sir. Um, for the people that may not know though, give us a little history on how hip hop became a career path for you. Um, it definitely wasn't a career path until it was. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when I started rhyming, um, I was young. I was 12, 13, you know, in the neighborhood. And I really just, we just really just did it for fun. It was just a thing to do, like skateboarding or, mm-hmm. you know, playing ball in the park. Like, it was just something you did. You rhymed, you banged on the wall, and you just spit verses or whatever. Um, and it was just by virtue of me winning this rap contest in Queens. Mm. Back when I was like a sophomore in college, I won a rap contest. And first prize was six hours of studio time. With Marley Maul. Mm. And that contest is what sort of catapulted me into the music business in a way. Because I, I went in the studio for my very first time. I was already rhyming, but I had never really thought about going in a studio and cutting a song. That wasn't something that was in my head. But now that I won the contest, I'm going to crash in on my six hours. Just so happened to be at Marley Maul's lab. And my first day there, I meet DJ Polo, Cool G Rap, Craig G., um, so now I'm around people that's re- making records and it just, it turned into a career. It wasn't something that I had planned. I was in college. I graduated with a degree, uh, in marketing in 88. I thought I was going to go into advertising and, and get a job at an advertising firm and write TV commercials. Wow. That's, that's where I thought I was headed. And, uh, music just kind of said, no, this is direct, this, try this out. Like this is it. When the symphony video dropped, you know, that, that classic posse cut, you know, with, with the juice crew, that was the. The door that opened and said, "Okay, let's. This is an interesting door. Let's see what's. Let's see what's in this what room." Else is there, right? Yeah, and and it turned into a career. Mm. Wow. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the symphony and going into my next question was, um, I know one of my favorite lines, if not from that entire posse cut, was a line that you spit when you said, "I'm the sheriff and biting is illegal." You know what I'm saying? So I know what it meant during that time, right? But Nowadays, it means something a little different. You know, 
to me, hip hop became the total opposite of what it said it would not become. I know what you mean. It would not do. I know what you you mean. What happened to all those rules, originality, and 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 all that stuff that we stated? Because now it's 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 the flyness to be biting. Yeah, it's it's fly to sound like somebody else. Yeah, it's it's, it's cool to be like anybody else. Yeah, I I mean that's a good question. What happened? Um, I guess us as the gatekeepers, um, we didn't do a good enough job um, of keeping those rules in place. Um, when it, when the, when the newer younger cats started to come into the game and started to do things that were um, a little bit out of what we believed was the way to do it, um, and we spoke out about it, they created this term called hating, mm. and, and 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 hating was a term that sort of wow. prevented you as an OG from really trying to check somebody on what they were doing because you didn't want to come off that way. Mm. Um, and, and and that term that that term hating has um, allowed a lot of stuff to go on yep. that normally wouldn't have gone on. Um, and that's my answer to that. Yeah, because and what's funny is like I'm glad we're like pretty much on the same direction because that was my next question mm-hmm. uh, with regards to constructive criticism and how the term hating has you know prevented people from being able to be openly honest to say that something is whack. Yeah. You know, it's like no everybody's afraid to say that something is whack in public, right? Or for a fear of being called a hater, right? You know, right? I mean, we didn't have no fear back in in, in the golden era when when MC Hammer came out and Vanilla Ice came out. Yo, that's whack. Like that's trash. That's garbage. Like dudes yeah. made records about it, dissing it, and there was there was no pushback. It was pretty much a uh, understood uh, among industry heads that that music wasn't where it was at. You know, I, I got to um, say, man, one of the things that I really admire about you is your ability to stay relevant and also keep your integrity as an artist. I mean, you're in your 50s now, right? 52. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, throughout all these years, you've been able to maintain that integrity. How have you been able to do that? How have you been able to keep that going? I think it's because I'm a fan of the music um, and I listen to the music. I listen to... I try to listen to everything that comes out, even if it's just a, a let me let me let me see what they talking about. This artist is supposed to be the hot dude. Let me see what it sounds like, and I give it a fair listen. If I hear some 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 stuff in there that sounds good, I'm like, okay. I, I mess with this. This is kind of cool. This is new. This is different. Um, I didn't stay in a box mentally, like uh, you know some of my peers who you know had big records in in in, in the late eighties, early nineties, nineties. Um, they had big hits and. Creatively, once you have that hit, it kind of defines who you are. For some, some, for some people, it defines who you are for the rest of your career. You're always going to be known for that hit, that mm-hmm. record, that single, that big right. song. And so you kind of become comfortable because you, you've like, I made it. I got, this is the record. This is my signature record. Um, and as an artist, I never really had that signature record. So it was always trying to elevate and go to the next step. Like, I, I haven't done it yet. And, and I've just kind of walked, even even though, you know, maybe my fans don't feel that way, I've always felt like I didn't I didn't get, I'm not there yet. Like, I'm still trying to get there, wherever that wherever there is. Mm-hmm. And so that has caused me to c- continue to push the envelope creatively and, and, and you know, um, go in the studio and make something new and different and better and fresher than the last thing. And that's what's, that's what's allowed me to continue to be creative the way I have. That's dope, man. So basically, like, every project that you release, everything that you drop, um, I think I remember Denzel Washington saying at one time was, like, you know, what was his key and his secret for his success as as an actor? Mm-hmm. And being able to 
he said, I never watch my movies. I don't really watch my movies because me watching my last movie is like I, I end up being in, in awe of that and I kind of stay in that in that in that in that area. That's so smart. Would you I mean would you say I don't listen to my albums. Right. I don't listen to my albums. Like as soon as I'm finished with it, like it's done, it's recorded, it's in the box, we hand it in. I I, I don't sit down and listen to the album in, in its entirety after that. Wow. I hear songs, you know, here and there because I'm performing them, but in terms of like front to back, let's listen to the album. I, I I just don't do that. You know, you're coming off the heels of a really successful 2018, and I'm I'm saying that because the album that you just put out with Marco Polo it definitely made my salute. top ten. That is a salute, Brooklyn, dude. Thank Brooklyn you. Story. Like, Thank you. I think it's so amazing, and it inspires me that you know this hip hop thing has no age on it. No more. Word. It used to be youth culture, and oh, you stopped doing this when I turned in my forties and fifties. But yeah. you know, you're proving yeah. that you know that's not so. You know, guys like yourself, Dayla, you know, yeah. you're still putting out relevant material. That's right. Very refreshing. You know, and um, I honestly, when I when I before I even heard the album, I was like, okay, what is this going to sound like? And that album is just so excellent, excellent, perfectly mixed. You yeah. know, like it just jumps out. You shout to Marco Polo for yeah, mixing that. Man, you know. and, you, and you got a history with Marco too, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. We used yeah. to work in the cutting room back in the days. Um, we actually that's why I on, met him. Work. I met Marco at the cutting room. Wow. Yep. Yeah, we we worked on a record called uh, "Relax" with um, with Jay Davy on a Newport Authority album. Okay. So. When you see him, so, so algorithm said, "What's up?" Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, bring the mic. You might want to bring the mic a little closer yeah. to you so you can or, yep. or speak into it a little better. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So, um, yeah, speaking about um that album, man, like what um, well, let me say this: consistently, for the past few years, you've been putting out these great concept albums. Thank you. Um, and when I listen to your albums, I hear the theme of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. All the time, over and, and over. Yeah, it's like this this theme of growing up in Brooklyn or residing in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and it reminds me. It's it's reminiscent of the way Spike Lee, you got it, depicts yeah. his films, right? Yeah. So, um, I'm just curious to know what is your process for creating these concept albums? What's um, your formula? Well, it starts off with just songs, like just okay. We got beats. I get the beats. I start writing songs. Once I have lyrics down for say seven or eight of the records then i start thinking about okay what do these songs mean but i don't write the songs based on any preconceived theme for an album mm-hmm. i write the songs in a, from an honest place i want to write this this beat makes me want to write this song and then once i get most of the songs written or i have an idea where the songs are going to go then i start trying to figure out how those songs would fit into a story uh a concept um, that I want to uh, that I want to tell, and so, um, but that's that's the order of how things go. I start mm-hmm. I just start making songs from an honest place, whether it's just straight rhymey rhymes or a concept song with, with, a, with a with a with a topic. And once I have most of the songs laid down, then I start figuring out what what is this story going to be about. And that's what we did on Brooklyn Story. Mm-hmm. We had most of the songs recorded, and Marco was like, "So what are we doing? Are, we, are you going to do a you know your typical Ace thing and turn it into a story?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know what I'm doing yet." Like. For a while, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. And then um, something happened. He, uh, his, his, his dad got sick, and um, he was really, really worried. And um, when I when I realized that his dad, you know, you know, from a health standpoint, was 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 in a, a dangerous place, it made me want to 
put his dad's voice on the record. And by putting his dad's voice on the record, it, it said, no, just tell Marco's story. He has a great story. He left Toronto as a young dude with a couple bucks in his pocket, moved out to New York with no place to live mm-hmm. and just figured it out. And here he is, you know, 18 years later, a well-known producer. Successful, yeah. Living in Brooklyn ever since. And so that's how it came about. Um, you know, it was, it was something that happened in real life that inspired the story. Mm. Shout out to Marco Polo, man. Shout out. Definitely. MP. Word, word. And to his dad, Frank Bruno, get well. Yes, 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 that's indeed. Um, so I wanted to talk like about, that. I wanted to talk about, um, if you don't mind, um, multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. I read that. Um, you said you were diagnosed with that in 2000, but you didn't go public with it until 2013. Yeah, much later. Um why was that? Any any specific reason why? Yeah. No? Um, okay. Well, when I got the diagnosis, um, it kind of renewed my my uh, my desire to create another record. And I, I said, I'm going to make this record. It might be my last record. So that was I went into it with that mentality. And I said, um, when this record comes out, whatever the response is going to be, it's going to be. But I want it to be a real response. I don't want people reacting to the record based on hearing about me having this disease or feeling sorry for me, I wanted to know that it was real love. So I put that record out, and I'm wearing the hat today, coincidentally, this album. And so I put the album out, and I knew that I was going to get real reactions. I got real reactions. And then I just said, well, let me keep going. Let me put out another record, another record. And it wasn't until really 13 that I... Felt like I had gotten to a place where I knew that the love I was getting from fans was real. I knew that the uh, acknowledgement was real, and I was ready. Like I had been running from it for so long, I was ready to just tell the world. And I said, maybe I'll help some people. You know, my wife helped me come come to that decision too. So, um, what explain like, um, what what was your life like in terms of like your diet? You know, exercise, beforehand, like you know, before after. and before and after. Um, beforehand, I wasn't really, I didn't have a specific diet. I was eating whatever. Like, you know, we came up, we eat, you know, Doritos and right. whatever. <laughs> like, you buy Tahitian tree soda and <laughs> Sunkiss and I was drinking everything. Eating and drinking everything. Um, and, um, I put on some weight and, and we, I remember we took our daughter and this was actually after the diagnosis because I didn't make the connection you know, with the disease and my diet until a few years after. But um, I remember I took a picture with my daughter. She was around two years old. We were at Disney World. And I look at the picture. I was like, yo, my stomach is kind of out there. Like, <laughs> what's, what's going on? Like, I never, I, and I never, uh, you know, when, you, when you're when you living it, you don't notice it. You right. know, you look at yourself in the mirror every day. You look the same. I look the same. But seeing that picture was like an eye opener for me. And I said, I got to do something different, you know, because the weight is... is if I, if I keep eating the way I'm eating, how am I going to look in 10 more years? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started making gradual changes at that point. I started changing, making changes in my diet um, little by little, and I started adding exercise to my regimen. And, um, and, and now I'm there. Like, I'm, I'm fully there. I don't, eat, uh, I don't eat beef. I don't eat chicken. Mm. I still eat uh, fish occasionally, um, but I'm on my way to vegetarian. I, I eat vegan meals probably four, four days out the week. Mm. Um, I, I'm at the gym about three days a week, depending on schedule. Even when I'm on the road on tour, I'm at the hotel gym. I'll get up 10, 9, 10 in the morning and do a workout um, before we get on the road. And um, so those are the things that have kind of helped sustain me and keep my weight down and 
keep me in a healthy place. I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm for somebody who has what I have, I'm, I'm in a good place. Yeah, I mean, for for somebody that's fifty two, I'm like, you look like a teenager. Type Thank of, you. Oh, I mean, some of that is obviously you know I mean? genetics, and you know, um, I can't take credit for that, but um, a lot of it is just how I've taken care of myself and not. You know, not abusing alcohol. Not I never really smoked before. I never smoked cigarettes in my life. I never. Um, I've had a cup, a puff of weed when I was thirteen, and never really did it again. So a lot of those things, they wear on you and they change your look over time. And it's, it just is what it is. And I've just tried to, you know, do be, take care of that for myself. Yeah, I gotta say that that last track on the album. Well, it's the last song on the album. Fight, Fight song. Yeah, yeah, featuring Farrell. Powerful record. Video coming soon too. Really? Yeah, we shot it already. I'm looking forward to. I that. really can't pick like which song I really like more than the other on there. It's, it's that's a good thing. That's, that's what's dope. You know what I'm saying? You don't really get that too often. Where it's just like, wow, this is my favorite today. Next week, this is my favorite. You know what I mean? Word. That's a good thing. Yeah. I like I like the song that Fame is on, man. Like, oh yeah, I love that. Fame is on that record. Count them up. Count them <laughs> up. Yeah, man. You you just like Fallen Season was one of my like that was my top album that year. Fallen just the season, way yeah. Fallen Season flowed. You know, you I'm, look, st- I'm still a big Son of Yvonne fan, man. You know. What oh I'm yeah, saying? Son of Yvonne. Especially the Madone version. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. That's, yeah. that's that's crazy. the one. Yeah. That album. Speaking <laughs> about that, um, how how was your experience like communicating with Doom? It was weird. Um, <laughs> what I expected that. Yeah. Um, so the album was pretty much done. Uh, we got booked on a show together at the Montreux Jazz Festival in um, France. And it was my f- first time seeing him in many, many years. Um, I went to his hotel room after the show and I played him the whole album. And he's like, yo, this is dope, blah, blah, blah. Um, I said, yo, I would love to get you on a joint. You know, I got one last joint that I would love to get you on a song. He's like, I'm with it. Send me, you know, let me know which beat. So I gave him everything. And then um, three months later, I finally got the verse. But I really thought it was at a point where I said, I'm not going to get this verse because it was just taking, I was just hitting his, his um, cousin up like, mm. what's up with the verse? I need the verse. I need the verse. We were like holding the album date, hold, pushing the date, pushing yeah, the date. Yeah. <laughs> and finally I got the verse and it, I was like pleasantly surprised that he he, he blessed me. He wrote it for the song, like he even rhymed about he did us the experience of us doing the show together and everything. Right. Um, and so he shouted out Marco Polo too. Yeah, right? Cause, cause, cause I was like, did. that sound like Marco. He yeah, shouted did. out. Yeah, because because Marco was my um, my stage DJ for that show with Doom. Yeah. So Marco went with me to the hotel room to play him the album and everything. So it was just dope. Um, and uh, you know, he's a mysterious guy. You know, um, he doesn't like to take pictures without the mask or. Like we took a picture in the hotel room and he put his hand over his face to take the picture because he didn't have his mask. That's just, you know. Yo. He's a different. Was, that's kinda that was kinda weird. I was like, y'all, have y'all ever seen him without the mask? Like Oh, I have, know. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. Um I, we saw him without the mask that, that night. But when wow. it came to picture taking, he definitely was like, boom, threw, yeah, the, yeah, threw yeah. the hand up. <laughs> and in this social media era, it's like so easy to just get caught slipping. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But Doom, man, the villain, man. Shout out to Doom, yes. My favorite, yeah. my favorite MC, man. Did you Just know when he down. was Zeb Love X? I definitely did. Um, I mean, we we didn't hang or anything, but we were definitely peers in the industry. I would see those guys at parties in New York all the time. Yep. That's what's up. I got to say, man, for you to be in your 50s and still stay relevant, you know, it speaks a lot to your experience and to your wisdom. So um, if you could share any advice mm. to the young kid coming up, trying to 
chase fast success in this internet or social media era, like what words of wisdom would you share? Well, um, I would say stop trying to chase a hit and chase a career mm. because hits are fleeting. You hot that summer. You got that big record that summer and then it's over. And if you can't consistently put together quality music, your career is going to be a one record career. Mm -hmm. And I was just the other day talking to somebody. We was just like naming, what happened to this dude? Remember he had that big record? We, it was just a bunch of names. I ain't going to say no names right now. I don't, I don't want to throw nobody under the bus. Yeah, but yeah. it was a lot of dudes that had like a big record. And you're like, yo, that was a big record. But I ain't heard nothing from him since. It's like mm -hmm. six years. What happened? Just know that if you really want longevity in this thing, it's about a career, not about a song. Make albums. I don't think people like even realize that you know this thing we call hip hop is a legacy. Music, black music in general, is a legacy. People work, slave, sweated, you know, put their utmost integrity into this, and for it to be passed on, you passing the baton, and you just like later for this baton, you know, it's you know whatever came before me, I'm I'm going in this direction. I mean, people really need to understand that, you know, I I feel personally. I agree. I definitely agree with that myself. Now, I'd like to kind of flip the last question because usually I ask about, you know, what advice to give to the younger generation. But um, I feel like to a degree, the elders have kind of dropped the ball mm -hmm. on the young generation. So if I had to ask the question for the elders or the older generation, what, um, what things you think we could be working on to kind of make a better connection of supporting and guiding the younger generation? Well, it's got to start with dialogue. Um, and that's the problem is that the, the, the people from my era, they don't even want to have a conversation with these young dudes. They just like, you're whack. All of that's whack. I'm not messing with it. And it's just a dismissive right. stance. So that makes the young people go, if y'all old dudes, y'all just bitter. Y'all ain't getting it no more. We getting it now. And that's the divide. Um, there's actually a song on a new album um, with Marlon Kraft, a joint called Wannabe, where we're actually kind of on the song, ha having that conversation between the, uh, that, between the generations. And, you know, th that song was created kind of by mistake, but it just worked out, you know, perfectly the way it came out. But it has to start with dialogue. Young and old, got to be willing to sit at the table Push aside all of their preconceived notions and 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 have a have a have an honest conversation about what's going on because, you know, um, I hear people from my generation all the time say, "Man, all this new music is garbage." Mm -hmm. Now that's that's a broad brush. Like you 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 haven't taken the time to really go and listen to some of the new stuff. There's new stuff out there that's good. You know, cast like Saha the Prince, mm -hmm. cast like J Rock. It, it, it's 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 good music out there. I mean, Elza to me is not. Not, not new, new right? yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, there are new names out there. Join the Lucases, guys like that. That Karam, that put together good songs, good concepts, videos are dope. But you got to be willing as an older person to open your mind up to these to some of it, because some of it's good. There's a lot of garbage out there. I, I'm not fighting that at all. But it's our jobs to to find the good stuff. So that's what I try to do is find the good stuff, and then we can have a have a dialogue at that point. And I think what's great for that, but dialogue, it needs to happen both ways. 
the elders need to stop being so dismissive, right? And the younger people need to have an open mind and be and be willing to take a lesson, right? Be willing to take a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Like if a, if 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 an older when we was younger, if an older guy came up to us and just pulled us to the side right. and was like, "Yo, let me let me let me right. break something down to right. you," we had respect. We would listen to that person and try to take in what they're saying and see, you know, how we could use it to help ourselves. Um, so that, yeah, the young people definitely got to have their minds a little bit more open too and be willing to listen to what we got to say. And mom was like, when even when old old folks back in the days that had something to say, we just let them talk. We just let them talk. Right. You know, we they, we ain't they, disrespect them. They earn that right to talk, whether you agree with them or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you say, we ain't disrespecting them. Right. You know what I mean? That's that's definitely true, man. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Um, so what I want to do at this moment is I actually take a break. Um, go into some music. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into something from the album. Anything you want to? Man, let's, let's play Brooklyn, man. Let's, that's let's, right. Let's go with the single. No doubt. So we'll go with that. And that's featuring Smith & Wesson. Definitely. Right? And we'll come right back. So keep it locked right here. This is Krill. A-Level is with me. And we got Master Ace in the place. So keep it locked right here on Out the Box. Welcome back to Out the Box Talks. My name is Krill. Got my brother A-Level, my co-host, and the place to be. And we got uh, Master Ace still in the chair. I'm still here. Thank you for staying with us. Definitely. Kicking it. My next question is in reference to Torin. Okay. I know you've done quite a lot of that. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, give thanks. Um, what has that experience, how's that experience shaped your perspective on your artistry? And even with regards to your ability to gain different types of income? It's opened up my mind to a world that I only saw as a map in a classroom or a globe on a teacher's desk. Um, I never thought in a million years that I would be in Iceland or Ireland or, or, or Switzerland or any of these places, Australia. Like, I couldn't fathom that. It wasn't something that seemed real. And then for this music to take me really around the world, I've been to, I've been to every continent except Asia. I'm, I'm, I think me and Marco are gonna finally hit Asia for the, it'll be my first time, his probably third time, but I'm going to make it to Asia this year, and then I'll have hit all of the continents. Um, and that's a blessing. That's something that I never would have thought possible. But what it's done is it's opened my mind up to different cultures, the fact that there are people who speak, who, who where English isn't their first language, but they know the words to your songs. Um, that they learn English in school the same way we learn Spanish or French or or. Uh, whatever they teach in, in, in the schools now. But we didn't take that second language seriously. And it, I'm like mad at myself because I, I took French when I was in high school and I wish that I was like, if I really went in on it, like I could have used that later in life. I didn't, mm-hmm. it was just a, I'm just trying to pass this class. Let's just, mm-hmm. They said I got to take a foreign <laughs> language. I'm going to take a foreign language. But over there, they learn their language and they learn English as a second language and they know it. Like they walking around having a conversation with you and as much as I took French in high school, I can't have a conversation with somebody in French. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just just all of those things. The beauty of these other countries, you see the poverty too. You know, we went to Brazil and um, Sao Paulo. We went out to the favelas, which is the hood, hood, hood in, in, in Sao Paulo. 
And we think we know what poverty is in the States. Let me explain something to you, brother. The favelas, that was a whole different level of poverty that we don't know about. Mm. Kids walking around with no shoes on their feet, mad stray dogs, like the shacks. They, 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 they creating homes where they just put a piece of metal and that's their roof. Like literally, like the sh- they living in shacks. Um, and it just opened my eyes to a lot, man. Like I, see, I, I just started to see the world in a, in a, in a different way I, and, I, and to see our world here in the United States in, in a different way. Yeah, it changes your whole perception yeah. of things, yeah. man. You know, now, what I wanted to ask you is, um, Master Ace Incorporated, you know, sitting on the, the INC, the INC, right? The yellow tape, mm-hmm. slaughterhouse. What what, 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 what was, um, what was your thought process walking into that album? You know, coming out of the whole, uh, I was cold chilling, cold chilling, juice crew. Yeah. Take a look around debut. <laughs> um, I wanted to do as I wanted to do a record that was as far away from that as possible. As far away from the single me and the biz, you know, as possible. I just felt like, you know, because I was on Warner Brothers. Coachellan was distributed by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers was really the—they were the ones that were really driving the car. So they uh, uh, determined that me and the biz was going to be my first single, um, and so we do this video and the puppet and the whole bit, and you know, that was the one. If you listen to that album, that first album, me and the biz was really the only song on there that was a little bit. Lighthearted, a little, you know, just a fun record. Everything right. else was super serious. I was trying to teach and educate and Music uplift. Man, and, that was my joint. <laughs> and, and 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 so, for them to pick that single out of all of the songs to to go with, I just wanted to, as a creatively, I wanted to be as far away from that single as possible because that song wasn't really indicative of who I was as an artist. But that just goes to show how majors think. We don't care who you are as an mm-hmm. artist. This is the record that we think can 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 be a big record. So this is what we're gonna push. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when I went into that yellow tape slaughterhouse, I wanted to make the grittiest, grimiest, hardest record that I could make, and and that was the result. And it ended up being so received, particularly on the West Coast, man. You know what I'm saying? I was, I mean, I was surprised. Um, you know, because it was at a time when really the Chronic was out, and the Chronic was like this super clean, crisp, well produced. Uh, loud pro- uh, production by Dr. Dre that was all over the radio. And my record sounded w- way different. It was just dark and dirty and the, the drums were dusty. And so it, it didn't fit with what was being played on the radio at that time. And so there was really a cult following of fans that messed with that album. You know, shout to Eminem who... That was his album. Like, like mm. when he was coming up in that age, he was still struggling, you know, with his D12 crew and they was riding around in hoopties and Slaughterhouse was one of the albums that they was playing in 93. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, shout to that cult following of fans to this day that still, you know, mess with that record. Um, it was definitely different from anything else I had done, but it helped shape my career. You know, as you said, Eminem, I remember there was a... I think it was like the 45th Grammy Awards. You remember the, the number and everything. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I did my research. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he, he shouted you out among, when he accepted among, his... Among his, others, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, how did you feel at that time? I thought it was cool. Um, not nearly the reaction that my friends had. My phone was ringing off the hook. Like At that moment when he said it, 
phone ringing every five minutes. Yo, you see this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, relax. Like everybody thought I was gonna get like a bag of money or something. I don't, I, I don't know what they thought was gonna come from that. It was a nice shout, you know. He, right, he right. shouted out Kane. I think LL G rap, G rap, yeah. Um, uh, Beastie Boys. And I think I was the name that was that caught people off guard. It was like, yeah, that's Ace. Like, why him? You know, I was um, you know, you looking online and you see people commenting and stuff. One of my favorite diss tracks that you ever put out. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that might be your only prominent one. The one from Disposable Arts. I think it's called Acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Yo, that track is hard. Like. Thank you. I had another. I had another one before that. Okay. Okay. Called, called Top Ten List. Well, well, Got it. Yeah, but yeah. That track, you just kind of slaughtered it, and I was looking at the comments, you know, because it's up on YouTube, and I seen a lot of people saying, "Oh, that's where M got his his flow from." I don't know if that's true. So I don't know, but <laughs> I, I mean, M was already out. I didn't think about M when I heard it, but then when I nah. listened to it, I was like, "Okay, it sounds similar." M is a student of the game. He so, is. Yeah. You know, we all are. Yeah, right. Yeah. We all are. Yo, I gotta definitely um, shout your wife out, man. Definitely, Shay. Um, the Shay Show. Yes, she has her own show. You could plug it. You know. Yeah, please. Um, she um she usually retweets whenever I play your music on the station. <laughs> like it'll come up as a post, and she'll retweet it. So you know, I definitely wanted to ask you if you if you care to share, like um, like how how long have you been married? If you don't mind me asking. Seventeen, seventeen years. Eighteen. Wow. This November. Wisdom. Yeah. So, if you care to share, like, what what words of advice would you give for like be, being somebody who has your foot in the marriage game for so long? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for some, you know, a young couple out there that may ju- may have just got married or on the path to getting married, what what words would you share for them? Um, I well, I would say to the guys out there that um, the girl that you're chasing. Because of her body or how she's dressing and, you know, her physical attributes and that's who you're pursuing, that's not going to be your wife. And if you make her your wife, it's not going to last. My wife and I were friends first. Mm. Like straight up friends, like on the phone, talking mad long. Um, We we dated different people while we were friends. So, like, I didn't, I looked at her as like a little sister more than anything else back then. Um, And... It turned into something that I didn't see coming at all. Like it caught me off guard. And I, I, I was just saying to her, what was it? Like yesterday, I think, or the day before. I was like, "How we get here? Like, <laughs> what, what the hell happened? Right. Like, we seventeen years in the game, fourteen year old daughter. Did you see any of this?" She was like, "Nope, didn't see it coming." Mm-hmm. Um, friendship, friendship, got to be first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as guys, when we young, we in our twenties, we. You know, we savages. We out there just chasing butt and trying to yeah. hook up with whoever we can hook up. Whoever look good, whoever catch our eye, we trying to see what's good. But um, in terms of a marriage, a relationship, it needs to be somebody that you're not just physically attracted to, but somebody that you like mm-hmm. and that you that you can laugh with, crack jokes with, be on the same wavelength with about just basic stuff. Um, and it started with friendship before anything else. And a lot of times the the right girl is right under dude's nose, but they're not paying them no mind. They're like, "Oh, that's that's home girl." Like, right. you know, we're pushing her to the side. But that's probably who you should be with. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I just had one more question. Um Clockers. Crooklyn, I'm not Clockers. Crooklyn Dodgers. Yeah. 
Did you get a chance to see Spike Lee work with him during that time? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I guess Spike reached out to Q-Tip and wanted him to produce this lead single. And he said, you pick the MCs. I, I'm, I don't, you know, you, you, you decide who it's going to be. So he picked, he picked myself, Buckshot, Special Ed. And um, we went into the studio. We, we, we recorded our verses. And then he played it for Spike. And Spike was like, this is cool, but this ain't really speaking to the, to the movie the way, the way it needs to. So I, I need these guys to see the movie. So we had a meeting. He said, yo, I want you guys to come to this screening. It was only about 25 people there in a small room. And they, and they, and they, and they showed us, they screened, they, they, way before it hit the theaters, they showed us the movie. And then after the movie, he's like, see, this movie takes place in the 70s. And your lyrics need to come from that place. And so we all went back and rewrote our rhymes. And that's the song that you actually know as Crooklyn. But there was another version where we were just spitting, just rhyming for, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm dope. I'm, nobody can't song, mess with right? me. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, that meeting with Spike um, changed the whole trajectory of the song. And we, we went in and rewrote everything. And that's the song that everybody knows as Crooklyn. Shout out to Spike Lee. And that's amazing that it that you tell a story that way because that's exactly how it feels. Like yeah. that song felt right for that movie. For the movie, but the original version was nothing like that. Nothing like that. Who are some of the artists that you kind of go way back with that you still have like a really good, solid relationship with? Like on respect. I would say Kane, mm. um, Craig G, close to those guys. Um, Obviously, Wordsworth and Strickland, I travel with them forever. So, those guys, um, me and Sadat are very cool. Um, it's a few dudes. I'm like, you know, when it comes to industry friends, I'm real particular because I know it's so many funny acting dudes that they cool with you when something is really popping for you. They want to be next to you, but then if nothing, if nothing is popping for you, everybody's running the other way. So. I'm just real particular. Like most of the cast that I'm cool with is DJs more than even MCs. It's mostly DJs, you know what I mean? Like um, the producers and DJs, the premieres of the world, people like that, you know. Um, but, you know, it's a few. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't rattle off a bunch of dudes that I'm like on, on some, I'm going to call them right now <laughs> level. But those, that's just a couple, I guess, a couple of them. I'm glad you shouted out EMC because um, you kind of serve as, I always kind of look at you as like a big brother, even though you're part of the group. Yeah. Um, what's the status with EMC, and will we get a chance to see something like another project? Yeah, they they want to do another record. Um, we talked about it recently, actually. Mm. Um, we have a producer in mind um, that we might want to work with on it, do the whole thing. Um, they're just kind of waiting for me because they know I'm running around with Marco right now, <laughs> pushing this album probably for another year or so. So they're going to kind of like, let me know. Or I'll let them know when I'm ready to, you know, start the. Because I, I don't want to half-ass it. I want to put 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 my oil into it and make it make it dope. So when the time comes, the time will come and we'll. But yeah, the fans want it. We'll do it. Shout out to Wordsworth, man. Wordsworth. His brother, I go back with man. Like, yes. Just doing like documentaries. I was just texting with him while we was waiting before we did the interview. I was Word? back and forth texting with him. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him Krill said what up, man. I will um, always check with him. No doubt. 
You got any other questions, A level? Listen, I could go for for hours and hours and days okay. and days, man. I mean, to, for a guy like Master Age, you need like at least part two, for real, three, for real, for four, real. five, six. But um, was Kane and, and G Rap really battling on that record on Symphony? Because it sounded like they was like they was kind of going at each other, like answering each other. Well, I didn't hear the, I didn't I didn't hear that, but there's definitely with all of us, there's definitely a competitiveness that. That's thrown into it because you're in the room with other MCs. That's dope. Like mm. you want to make sure you're shining. Like you don't want to get stomped on. So you're gonna <laughs> come with your illest verse. Right. So um, and a lot of people don't know this, but the day that we recorded Symphony, um, G Raps when, when it was his turn to, to spit, I went already. Craig went already. G Rap gets on, and he rhymed until the tape came off the machine. I don't know sixty sixty bars or something crazy mm. off the machine. And Molly's like, yo, you got to chop that down. You got to leave room for Kane. Like, G just went in or off. And so he's like, all right, I'll just spit something different. <laughs> and just came with a whole nother. And that's the joint. That's the verse that we hear. But I what happened to the 16, the 60 bars he did? Like, <laughs> I don't ever know. No, I don't even know what happened with them bars. Wow. But, yeah, dudes was trying to definitely, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. It's, it's, it's you know, we're friends. But you want to try to chop other dude's head off if you can. As an MC, as a lyricist. Wow. I want to definitely say thank you, you know, for coming through here, man. For a guy who's seen what you've seen, done what you've done, your talent, the measure of your talent is, you know, immeasurable. And for you to come here and have this humble spirit about you, just, you know, that just speaks volumes, man. Thank you. That's that's how I try to be. I try to, you know, I I don't want to be the late guy, the asshole, the, you know, (laughs) The guy whose head is in the clouds. Like I don't want to be any of those people that I see around the industry all the time. Yeah, I gotta give it to you. You was here quite early too. Yeah. So much props, man. Definitely. Um, so as as well, I, I wanna thank you as well for coming and sitting with us. As we close out the show, uh anything that you wanna say as far as like the next next steps, next projects? Well, I just wanna definitely um Big up Marco Polo and let people know the album is called A Brooklyn Story. Um, it's available on all, all formats. Um, we're going to be touring the world this year. We got some. We got a big tour happening in Europe in uh, in May. May May. Into, we're going to be out there for a month, from like the end of May till the end of June. Um, hitting 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 places all over Europe, and then we will come back. We're going to do some some U.S. dates, some Canadian dates. We'll be we'll just check our pages. We'll be posting. Um, all the tour dates, hopefully we hit a city near you. If you don't see it, then hit your local promoter and let them know, yo, I want I want to bring Ace and Polo to my city and we'll make it happen. Have them reach out to us via social media and we'll make it happen. Give, give them your social media tag. Yeah, um, on on Twitter, I'm just at Master Ace, M-A-S-T-A-A-C-E. Um, my Instagram is Master Ace Picks, P-I-C-S. And then my Facebook is Master Ace Official. That's the fan page. That's what's up. All right, people. Again, thank you, Brother Master Ace, for kicking with, kicking it with us. Of course. Definitely um, all the best. Appreciate it. the next it. steps as far as success is concerned. Um, we are broadcasting out of the Anchor Podcast Lab. You can catch us on the Out the Box radio station 24-7. We're also available through the iTunes podcast app as well. We're all over. Catch us out at Out the Box Media on Twitter, Out the Box Media on Instagram, 
We'll be back in another couple of weeks for our next episode. But till then, keep it locked to our station for all the dope music representing the, the finest and quality underground independent hip-hop in today's scene. And again, thank you, Ace. Appreciate Much success. It. And we out of here. You. Peace. Peace, peace. Peace.